Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 1. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, 2. Son of man, put forth a riddle, and use a simile unto the house of Israel. A simile is a type of metaphor. A parable, a metaphor, a riddle, and a simile are all very closely related. All of them create word pictures in the mind when you tell them to somebody so that it makes it easier for the other person to understand the meaning of what you're saying. So the Bible is full of metaphors and parables. The Lord is going to give Ezekiel a metaphor to share with the people, and this will be a riddle. 3. And thou hast said, Thus said the Lord Jehovah, the great eagle, great-winged, long-pinioned, full of feathers, that hath diverse colors, hath come in unto Lebanon, and it taketh the foliage of the cedar. This great eagle represents Babylon. Babylon has diverse colors because it controls multiple pagan nations. And Babylon is great and large because it was an empire. In the parable, Lebanon represents the most precious aspect of Israel, Jerusalem. The forest of Lebanon was used to build the temple in Jerusalem and Solomon's palace. For the top of its tender twigs it hath cropped, and it bringeth it into the land of Canaan, in a city of merchants it hath placed it. This eagle brings some of the pine needles of the trees of Lebanon into the heart of Canaan, and that is the city of Jerusalem. Because Babylon had made an agreement with King Zedekiah, who was the last king of Judah, they expected Zedekiah to remain faithful to them. Earlier in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel had prophesied that Zedekiah would be king before Zedekiah was king. And now the Lord is giving Ezekiel a prophecy about how Zedekiah's kingship will end. 5. And it taketh of the seed of the land, and doth put it in a field of seed, to take by many waters in a conspicuous place it hath set it. Conspicuous means obvious. Babylon was obviously protecting Judah and considering itself lord over King Zedekiah. Because of a long history of all of the tribes of Israel sinning, it came to the point where the last king of Judah was considered by Babylon to be a puppet of Babylon, but he didn't want to be a puppet. And the Lord told him to submit to Babylon, but he refused to do it. The reason the Lord told Zedekiah to submit to Babylon was because it was a fitting punishment for all of Judah's sins. But Zedekiah, like a stubborn child, refused to accept his punishment. 6. And it springeth up, and becometh the spreading vine, humble of stature, to turn its thin shoots toward itself, and its roots are under it, and it becometh a vine, and maketh boughs, and sendeth forth beauteous branches. Under Babylon's thumbnail, Judah was doing okay, it was doing fine, because Babylon was protecting Judah as long as the land of Judah was submissive to Babylon. So in this riddle or parable, it's showing that the first eagle was able to make the seed of Lebanon prosper, and that represents Judah and the Israelites. 7. 
And there is another great eagle, great-winged and abounding with feathers. And lo, this vine hath bent its root toward him, and its thin shoots it hath sent out toward him, to water it from the furrows of its planting. King Zedekiah wanted to avoid his punishment and become independent of Babylon, so he tried to make an alliance with Egypt. This second eagle represents Egypt. King Zedekiah was looking for a loophole out of his punishment for the sins of Judah and his own sins. He looked to this other nation represented by the second eagle. The second eagle hadn't really done anything. He didn't plant or water anything, and yet the Israelites were turning to him for support. When you turn to somebody who hasn't proved to be your friend, you're probably going to end up disappointed. That's what happened to King Zedekiah. He expected the Egyptians to come and rescue him from the Babylonians, but they never did. 8. On a good field by many waters it is planted to make branches and to bear fruit, to be good for and goodly vine. This represents Israel doing fine under the thumbnail of Babylon's control. 9. Thus said the Lord Jehovah, It prospereth, its shoots doth he not draw out, and its fruit cut off, and it is withered, and all the leaves of it springing it withereth, and not by great strength, and by a numerous people to lift it up by its roots. The second eagle is only going to take advantage of the vine that's growing, whereas the first eagle was actually protecting the vine. The Lord is telling the Israelites, if you turn to Egypt for help, Egypt is only going to take advantage of you. They're not going to actually help you. 10. And lo, the planted thing, doth it prosper? When come against it doth the east wind, doth it not utterly wither? On the furrows of its springing it withereth. This east wind represents Babylon attacking Jerusalem, since Zedekiah betrayed the king of Babylon and turned to Egypt to get help to fight against Babylon. Then Babylon came and overtook Jerusalem. It's saying, don't turn on the first eagle that was actually helping you for another eagle, because then the first eagle will attack. 11. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, 12. Say, I pray thee, to the rebellious house, have ye not known what these are? Say, Lo, come hath the king of Babylon to Jerusalem, and he taketh its king and its princes, and bringeth them to himself to Babylon. This did happen. The king of Babylon had already taken Jehoiachim into custody. The king of Babylon also took Jehoiakim in custody as well, and King Zedekiah was the last king. That's why Zedekiah became king, so he should have known that Babylon could easily take him into custody as well, and take him to the land of Babylon. 13. And he taketh of the seed of the kingdom, and maketh with him a covenant, and bringeth him into an oath, and the mighty of the land he hath taken. The covenant and the oath was that Babylon wouldn't destroy Jerusalem as long as Zedekiah remained loyal, but he didn't. He acted treacherously against Babylon by trying to make an alliance with Egypt to stand his ground, and that never worked. But this prophecy is being spoken before Zedekiah 
broke his oath with King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. 14. That the kingdom may be humbled, that it may not lift itself up to keep his covenant, that it may stand. The Lord says Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. 15. And he rebelleth against him to send his messengers to Egypt, to give to him horses and much people. Doth he prosper? Doth he escape who is doing these things? And hath he broken covenant and escaped? When we double-cross somebody, we're not going to get away with it, especially if that person is more powerful than we are. Same thing with nations. If a weaker nation double-crosses an empire, they're going to pay for it. And that's what the Lord is pointing out. 16. I live an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. Doth he not, in the place of the king who is causing him to reign, whose oath he hath despised, and whose covenant he hath broken, with him in the midst of Babylon die? The Lord says, Isn't Zedekiah going to die in the land of Babylon because he broke the covenant with Babylon? He'll never be allowed to come back home and be king again. And this is true. Zedekiah did die in Babylon under a lock and key. He was never allowed to go back and be king of Judah. 17. And not with a great force, and with a numerous assembly, doth Pharaoh maintain him in battle, by pouring out a mount, and in building a fortification, to cut off many souls. This says that Pharaoh will not be able to help Jerusalem when Babylon puts the siege mounts up on the city. 18. And he despised the oath to break covenant, and lo, he hath given his hand, and all these he hath done, he escapeth not. When a parent punishes a child, the child should receive the punishment, because that's how we learn. It also shows respect to the parent. And when the Lord punished Israel and Judah by putting them under the control of Babylon, King Zedekiah should have humbly received that punishment, but he refused to. And the Lord is saying that he will not escape. There's no loophole for King Zedekiah to get out of this punishment. 19. Therefore thus said the Lord Jehovah, I live, mine oath that he hath despised, and my covenant that he hath broken, shall I not put it on his head? The Lord says, The Israelites broke covenant with me first. Shouldn't I consider them guilty? This parable doesn't just represent Israel and Babylon and Egypt. It also represents our salvation story. All of us were given life and clothing, food, shelter by the Lord some more than others, but all of us were given life and a means to live through the Lord's Son, Jesus Christ. But all of us turned to sin. The first eagle represents the Lord. He gave us life. He protected us. He was watching over us. But the second eagle represents the world. And all of us instead turned our backs on the Lord who gave us life and had a plan for us and was protecting us from many things. We turned our backs on him, and we turned to the world to get our needs met. We tried to find a way to get our needs met without depending on the Lord. Now, I know a lot of us lived really rough lives and went through many tragedies and a lot of chaos and abuse, but even in the midst of that, God was watching over us. And if we thank 
carefully back in time, we can remember specific instances in our lives when things could have been much worse if God had not had his hand on us. We can also remember specific instances where we made bad choices that made things a lot worse because we turned our backs on God and we didn't trust him. So we turned to the world for help and things just got worse instead of better. So this parable is about us as well. 20. And I have spread out for him my snare, and he hath been caught in my net. And I have brought him into Babylon, and pleaded with him there his trespass, that he hath trespassed against me. The Lord is going to capture Zedekiah by allowing him to be taken as a prisoner to Babylon. And in Babylon, the Lord is going to meet Zedekiah and discuss with him his sins. This also happens to all of us. When we're living in sin, God does meet us and he discusses our sin with us. It was that voice that sometimes we disregarded and we pretended that it was our imagination, but it was God and he was confronting us about our sin. And the Lord says he's going to do this with Zedekiah too. God confronts us about our sin because he genuinely loves us. He's always constantly trying to get us to come to reality and come back to him so that we can be restored. 21. And all his fugitives with all his bands by sword do fall, and those remaining to every wind they are spread out, and ye have known that I, Jehovah, have spoken. King Zedekiah's men under him were killed and then other people in the kingdom were taken captive to Babylon, along with King Zedekiah. 22. Thus said the Lord Jehovah, I have taken of the foliage of the high cedar, and I have set it from the top of its tender shoots, a tender one I crop, and I, I have planted it on a mountain high and lofty. Now the parable is turning to discuss Jesus. This parable is saying that a Messiah will come out of the greenery of this cedar tree that is representing Israel. So it means that a Savior will come out of Israel in the future. It's neat how God punishes us, but he wants us to repent so that he can restore us. And he always promises restoration later once we turn back to him. 23. In a mountain, the high place of Israel, I plant it, and it hath borne boughs, and yielded fruit, and become a goodly cedar, and dwelt under it have all birds of every wing, in the shade of its thin shoots they dwell. The Lord gave us a way to be saved. The fruit that's being yielded here is a spiritual fruit of salvation toward many people. And the birds that are dwelling in this tree represent all the people that are getting saved by consuming the fruit of Jesus Christ, his testimony, and his gospel. 24. And known have all trees of the field that I, Jehovah, have made low the high tree, and I have set on high the low tree. I have dried up the moist tree, and I have caused the dry tree to flourish. I, Jehovah, have spoken and have done it. God can accomplish anything. He can make a king a pauper and make a pauper a king. There's no limits with the Lord. And it doesn't matter how we start out. It's how we finish that matters. If you started out in sin, repent now and be saved. 
those who humble themselves and make themselves low through repentance and humility will be brought high in salvation with Jesus Christ. And that concludes Ezekiel chapter 17.